who was to believe Jess in this scenario about drugs at all, period? Apparently all of them, because no one questioned it at all. Welcome to Who's That Girl, a new girl podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Kritika. And we're long distance best friends who bonded over our love of TV and brought you this podcast to recap one of our favorite shows, New Girl. Today, we're discussing season four, episode six, background check. This podcast originally aired on November 4th, 2014, and was written by Rebecca Adelman, who last wrote season three, episode 22, Dance, and directed by Lorene Scafaria, who last directed season three, episode 12, Basketball. In this episode, Winston has to pass his background check for the police academy and wants his friend's support. But Jess gets worried because she has a secret. And this episode, like we said, is really about Winston's background check. But for some reason, everyone needs to be present. And he wants the support of everyone, even though Winston is squeaky clean in this whole thing. It was interesting that he wanted his friends around for this. I definitely thought so as well. I didn't understand why Winston would want them there. But then I guess when she does arrive to do the background check, she is like her main question initially is asking people in the place that Winston lives, do you think he would be a good fit? But then if it really was something that was for the loft to answer or the people that Winston lives with to answer, why wouldn't the police academy schedule that with Winston's friends, not with Winston? And also, why would it be a surprise? Because Dugan is the one who alerted Winston that this was even going to be happening. I, I almost wanted to like do a little deep dive on background checks and like how those even work because it just seemed like the premise for this was a little wobbly. Like it wasn't very well thought out, but I mean, love this episode. It was great, but it definitely seemed a little funny that Winston's like, you have to be here. And you're just like, Winston, you can't possibly think that your loft mates are really going to come through for you. They're a bunch of <laughs> crazy people, including you. But I mean, it's your job. So you got to do something about it. Yeah. The fact that it's a surprise visit on a Saturday when he could have been out of the house doing anything is very weird. The rest of the loft actually had plans. Coach was going to go to the outlet mall. He had a game plan. He was going to start with his leg stores, shoes, socks, pants, and then end with a pretzel. And everyone is just completely sold on this plan too. And everyone is ready to leave Winston and go to this outlet mall because they're more interested in that than they are in Winston's well-being and supporting Winston in this way. But not Jess. Jess is there for Winston. She is trying to get everyone on board with him to get everybody in the loft until, of course, she finds out it's a home visit and immediately is acting so weird that everyone is picking up on this. You knew something was going to be off because Jess is never really the one to react that way. She's always just kind of this genuine, wholesome person. But then was a little dumb of Jess to be like, wait, someone like a cop, a policeman is coming here. And you're like, yeah, Jess, who do you think it's going to be? Like Cece's model friends coming to do the background check? Like it has to be from Winston's work. And as soon as she tells them that she has a secret, the things that the guys say that she's done, they're so ridiculous. Like I think at one point, 
Coach says, did you steal a kiss and keep it in an envelope? Like the amount of ridiculousness that everybody thinks is Jess, just like you were saying, if Jess is bringing it up, you know, it's going to be something. But like nobody believes it until she's just like, I have meth in my room. And you're like, oh my God, what happened here? And so obviously she goes to go show them the meth and just is in her own world, pulling things out, has forgotten where she's put this bag of meth in her closet. How do you forget where you leave a bag of meth? Immediately when seeing her pull that out, it didn't even look like what, not like I'm an expert in what meth looks like, especially a whole bag full of it, but I was very surprised that it didn't cross anybody's mind to even question if that was meth or not. Like you said, like they were making all these jokes about what would have been a very just thing to be nervous about, right? But yet when she goes, oh, by the way, this like squeaky clean person who's never done the drugs, who also throughout this episode thinks she's getting high off of skin contact with drugs, is telling the truth about this being drugs? Like, I don't know. Schmidt would have even taken me as someone who would have been immediately like, well, give me one of those and like, let me taste it. Wouldn't he have figured it out like so quickly? Like (laughs) that could have been so simply determined if someone just asked again, I love the charades everything went through, but who was to believe Jess in this scenario about drugs at all, period? Apparently all of them, because no one questioned it at all. They were just yelling at her and then Winston comes by and they're all so mean to him. He's wearing a wonderful sweater and they're just like, no, go change. And he says, sting me in the now, but save me in the later. And you can tell he's a little hurt by this, but it leads to Winston wearing a bird shirt. So can't go wrong there. But he is so nervous. Like he forgets his joke about sidewalks because everyone's like not helping him feel better about his home visit. They're freaking out because this big bag of meth that they keep hiding And I think at one point there's an idea to throw it out the window. And honestly, it's not the worst idea if she was already in the elevator to just take the entire thing and throw it outside or anywhere else. Or anywhere else. But you know, we're not. Not at Schmidt's head for it to go everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That comment from Winston and like him trying on the different shirts, that was honestly my favorite. The sting me in the now, but save me for the later. I think that was one of my favorite quotes this entire episode. But I also, for a really side moment, was a little bit sad for Winston that, like, yet again, he's having a big moment of his life. Like, I think about his birthday or something. It's like a big moment of his life. And everyone else is preoccupied with their stuff and never fully focusing on Winston. Like, that is still kind of a theme as we're getting into the fourth season of the show. But I think the way this episode wraps up kind of goes in a good direction. But yeah, it's definitely all about Jess and her mess and everyone else trying to help that situation, which I I mean, obviously they were in the heat of it and it all happened so quickly, but it's like, what did they even think was going to happen? Like, should that be found? Like, I guess immediate jail, like, couldn't she have explained? Also, again, they could have just tested what it was and (laughs) confirmed like, oh yeah, this is this. And like, okay, let's do a background check and like double check who you are type of thing. I don't know. I think it could have all gotten figured out much easier, but it wouldn't have brought us to Nick getting swept back again because they didn't figure this out. So everybody's getting nervous. They're cutting back and forth between the elevator scene with Winston riding up and them throwing, just literally throwing the drugs at the trash can. I loved it. I was like, Jessica, what are you doing? You are crazy right now. Yeah, I don't know how they thought that was going to clean anything up, but I am thoroughly impressed that with all the mess they made, 
overthrowing this everywhere at the trash can at Schmidt that somehow the room was clear by the time that the captain rolled in. And how did all of those rocks fit in her bra? Like there was a big, big, big bag of rocks. And you got to assume that they were pointy and hurt her. But still, she's up here saying, welcome to our home yet again for every visitor that comes by. I mean, that's that's why even in their podcast, they call it welcome to our show, because that's Jess's thing. She says, welcome to our home. And I did love that that's how she greeted this person as she was coming in to the house and and whatnot. And I will say, really, even off the bat with this detective and like her doing this background check, I felt like her energy, if you will, or the way that this actress portrayed it, she matched this loft. Like this loft was crazy and she held her cool and she matched what they were doing and was able to like effortlessly handle these scenes. I just really appreciated that from this actress, especially given that this loft has been together for so long, basically. And like as actors and she comes in and is just like part of it, you know, she's like, we're going to, we're going to figure this out. So I really liked the way that she approached it in this scene and just like the whole episode, but immediately she comes in and she starts talking about herself. She's like, here's some facts about me. So then we could feel like we both shared basically. And we had already found out her bird had died and I felt so bad for her because she's like, oh, well, I got to make this quick so I can go feed my bird. And then was like, oh, no, like my bird's already dead. I can't go home to feed it. She had so many good one liners. That was one moment where definitely I felt bad for her, too, of like, oh, her realization. But also when they're trying to hide the fact that someone, I think it may have been Winston, kind of nudged Jess and all the meth. And I put meth in quotes in her bra started moving and almost falling out. They tried to block it showing with a big bowl of green grapes. And her response is, I've already had my grapes today. Like she regularly eats grapes and knows that she's already had it. So she's not going to have these grapes. It was hilarious how her one-liners were so well placed in this episode to your point of how she portrayed herself. And also the way that the loft's ultimate craziness was complimented with this dichotomy of her calm demeanor because she could have been like a Dugan who was kind of a little bit crazier. And then I don't think it would have played the loft's craziness that much. Like there was so much frantic energy. And I read a couple reviews of other people who watched this episode back when it originally aired, noting how one of the best things this episode had going for it was just the pace. Like it was very quickly paced. She comes in and there's movement, but then Cece shows up and Schmidt kisses her and says, play along or just goes to jail. Oh, first of all, loved this moment so much. That's a good point about all the movement in the episode, because it really did move a lot. And there was never really a pause of a moment. And if it was like the elevator scene, for instance, it was used for the dramatic effect of it and whatnot. So yeah, I think that's what made this episode so enjoyable is that like it just the the chaos just ensued literally like it just wouldn't stop and Cece coming in and Schmidt kissing her because Cece's coming in because of the crazy ridiculous message that Jess left her which side note appreciation for Cece being the best friend in the entire world right like the bestest friend getting this voicemail from Jess and leaving whatever she was doing and showing up within minutes to the loft to yell at Jess, where is it? I'll help you take care of the meth. 
and then gets kissed, right? So Cece's in on this chaos as well now, which I think is only right, being that she's basically a lock mate at this point. I just love that she was such a great friend to just come over in a heartbeat to help Jess. And she does go along with it because when Schmidt says that to her, she's obviously very confused. And Winston buys into it and is like, yep, I knew you'd get back together. That's awesome. And it's it's very sweet to see because obviously Winston's the only one along with Captain Dorado that isn't in on this whole bit. And he's just so genuine. Like, I love how he's truly happy that he thinks Schmidt and Cece got back together. And it's something that they're doing for Winston, but actually they're really doing it for Jess because obviously, like, Winston, like you said, is not really the main person in this episode, even if it's about him. And I think that also shows because the captain is just trying to get someone to answer her about why Winston would be an asset to the community. And no one can do it. Like, everybody, I think, is so focused in not getting caught for meth that they can't even explain why Winston would be good until she's like, oh, is he not good? Like, should we not make him a cop? And then everybody springs into action. Well, but everybody springs into action. However, they still make things up, right? Like, Coach just is like, oh my gosh, well, he has, like, volunteers with the Boys and Girls Club. And you're like, great. And then they make up a kid's name because he doesn't actually volunteer with the Boys and Girls Club, which, I mean... Just had this thought, you know, he, they could have, if they really thought about it, especially Schmidt could have said it was his boss's kid. That was his sponsor kid because he's actually babysat him in the past and he knows him. Like it would be, the kid would know Winston and it wouldn't be a weird thing at all. However, back to the original point in your original comment, why did they even lie? Why did they even make things up in the first place? It was really hilarious to see where Coach went with that and like how he's like, I got to go find this kid. And you're just like, okay, good job. You got yourself out of that room. But why did you have to make an escape? Like you really, none of them could say one nice thing about Winston. I get that Jess was preoccupied about the math. I get that everyone else was nervous, but like it could have all just been over had they just said one nice thing about their friend. And your whole note about Coach getting to leave to go get to Quan and maybe that's like a good out. He asks everyone, do you want to come with me? And no one says, yes. Like, I was looking at it and I'm like, okay, if Nick is swept back, why isn't Nick going with Coach, getting him out of the apartment where he's going to say things? And obviously, you watch the episode, you know why Nick didn't leave. But in that moment, I would have expected everybody to be like, yeah, yeah, me, I'll, I'll come. And then her be like, why is everybody leaving? And then people stay back or something like that. But Coach didn't think of it as an out either. He actually is really trying to go find a kid to go be Daquan. That was wild, genuinely, because he's rolling up to children playing basketball. And you're like, this is only going to be bad, right? And I'm like, this is creepy. No, just don't do this. And everything he's saying, he's realizing he's like, no, wait, no, no, this is bad. And he's like, I did not think this through. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Every way you present this would be bad. That's where all of us watching, I'm sure, was like, oh, cool. He just like got himself out of this loft. He doesn't have to answer any of these questions. He could have gone to the bar that they all go to and just had a beer and just like hung out and been like, oh, it's over, right? Like Texas friends and just never come back. What was the, like, you didn't have to find a real human. And even when he did bring back a 
someone he called Daquan, who was actually Jose, you're just like, you didn't need to do this. Nobody was expecting you to do this. No one needed anything from you. You could have just left. Honestly, if everybody had just focused in on Winston, we would be done. He would have gotten a good visit and we would have been okay. But instead, Winston being the good-natured, genuine person he is, has gone to go figure out what's wrong with Jess, realizes that it's her cycle, which, sorry, it's a roller coaster. It's not a cycle. And Jess saying, don't I know it, girl, was honestly, you were talking about the line about sting me now, save me later. The don't I know it, girl, from Jess was one of my favorite lines because it's so forced. Like, Jess is like, dude, I just need you to leave me alone. I am literally going through it. I have meth all over me. And you're talking to me about my cycle being 10 days early. This is uncomfortable. What is happening? And it's all in that little, like, don't I know it, girl. And I just, I loved seeing that play out. Winston, honestly, just so genuine. Like, creepy and weird. You don't need to know that about Jess or tell her that you know that about Jess. But very genuine. I will say I did like the other line from Winston, but yes, this also was like another favorite little like back and forth moment. I think for me, it was Jess's look afterwards where she's like, Winston, one day you're going to make some woman very uncomfortable. And then even, yeah, like the roller coaster comment. But on one hand, I did like that after Jess said that about that it was her cycle. I liked that Winston was like, oh, I'm not going to pry into that. Like, oh, let me just try to like bond with you or be nice about it. You know, I like that he wasn't like trying to, even though that wasn't technically her cycle or her roller coaster or whatever, but I liked that he was at least trying to be respectful of it and like bond over it type of thing or like do something nice about it. But yeah, Jess's look after that was just like, kill me now. This is not where I want to be in my life. But also, I mean, Winston didn't know at that point that it was the meth. Like that's what she was covering up, right? So it was also a gold moment of this episode exactly and so when she asks for cc to come cc comes and jess is in the bathroom trying to throw the drugs down the shower drain then they were putting it in the toilet which overflows and i'm just sitting here going just throw it in the trash and put something on top of it like she's not gonna go digging through your trash as part of a home visit that's gross and she's not suspecting you of anything you're being weird, but like all of this time, it could have just been in that trash can. And instead they have to bring Schmidt in, who is pulled away from Winston, Nick and Captain Dorado in the room that Nick and Schmidt share so that (laughs) Schmidt can come help them. Of course he has to be shirtless and just thinks she's on drugs. And you're like, no, I, I don't think you're on drugs. I think this is the placebo effect. Honestly, another call out, I guess I have a lot of favorite lines thinking about it of this episode because the other was when Nick is following them to the room and he goes, oh, well, you might find a lot of condoms because we've been banging like rabbits, not each other. Like, wait a minute. (laughs) That was so ridiculous. And you're like, oh, Nick, you just walked right into that. You opened that door for that exact reaction that you realized way too late. But it makes me actually wonder too about CC because obviously Jess is Jess and she was never going to know that obviously those weren't even drugs, right? But she was so caught up in that. But she's trying to put it down the drain and she's trying to even say, oh, well, I saw the movie Ray. Like, isn't that a drug movie? Like, isn't this how you react? But calling out that Cece to me isn't even someone who would even know the right thing to do. Even though like Jess said, oh, she lived with a guy named Crystal Ricky or whatever his name was. But Cece 
is like, oh, well, don't put it in the shower drain, put it in the toilet. But like Cece wouldn't know either. You know, like, I guess I'm trying to say that she also is someone, she is Jess's friend. And she's also someone who actually doesn't know what to do in this situation at all. And so it's like the two of them trying to just get rid of this map in a really random way. So like, I think I'm with you, like good call out that like, yeah, they could have just put it in the trash. They could have just like thrown it out the window. Even at the beginning, they could have done anything else. And I just think the the two of them together didn't actually stop and think, you know, like they were so unfamiliar with like having a big bag of drugs in their presence that they wouldn't have even know what to do. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it was less of a thing for me with specifically Cece because I felt like there might have been more moments where as a model, she was around people who did drugs, even if she didn't do them herself. But either way, you're right. They did not stop and think. Schmidt is not stopping to think. He's like, I know they take off my shirt when we do clean up drugs. And they leave Nick after having to put make him put on a kimono because, again, Sweatback is here. And he's so insistent on making things awkward. Like, he's talking about the condoms, like you said. But then he's also talking about, I think, Jess's room as like, oh, yes, I've had intercourse in there. And it's like... No, she's not going to be excited because you've had intercourse. Like, I mean, I get it. This is Nick. I'm not going to like overanalyze why he does the things he does. But I love to see that when he's confronted by Winston, he moonwalks away just like he did to Jess in season two. I thought that was really amazing to see like a bunch of these little things coming back up that we have seen before or heard about. And True to Nick's character, because even the thing of Nick being swept back wasn't completely consistent. There were episodes where we talked about, where is swept back? Why are you telling him things? And he kept secrets. But here we're seeing that. And it is a humorous storyline to bring back up from season one. And they brought it back up with force because it wasn't just swept back. It was swept body and it only increased and increased. And that's where the (laughs) cop even decided. She's like, I'm talking to this one alone because this is a concern that he is sweating so much and in such an intense way. And so she goes in to have that conversation with him. But then outside, we see Schmidt and Cece realize that Nick's alone with the cop. Like, that's a bad situation. Like, they know that sweatback is a not a good situation to be with the cop alone. And so they go to see, but then they're shut out of the room. And I just love the cute little moment that they have here. It was so perfect. What everybody was wanting. And of course, Schmidt is still shirtless because of course he is. What only, only Schmidt would take off his shirt to go clean a bathroom. Ridiculous. But here he is shirtless with Cece after having had kissed her and having a whole little conversation about like, okay, well, Paul sucks. Like, what is Paul? Like, why Paul? And I actually really love that Cece even teased him because it made me think of like, oh, with the schoolyard crush type of thing, like you tease the person that you like. Schmidt clearly is like still interested, but Cece's still interested too. She's teasing him about dating TV show star that he likes and made him feel really bad for a moment. And he didn't like that one bit, but it was a really sweet moment. I was so glad that we got that in this little chaos episode where it kept moving. But then honestly, that scene is another scene where it paused for a little bit and let you take in the Schmidt and Cece romance. Yeah, I think those pauses, like we're saying, just really highlight those moments amongst the crazy. And so we got this intimate moment between Schmidt and Cece that way, while the cop is 
interrogating Nick, but when I say that, I really mean Nick is just spilling every single secret that he's held in forever that is not this secret. He is telling everything else that he could talk about that keeps the secret of the meth. But Winston sees it. He finds out about the meth. And again, I just have to say how genuine he is. He's like, oh, well, why didn't you come to me? Like, I could have helped you take care of it. And that's where it's it's a gut punch of no one really believing in him and just straight up says i didn't think you'd still be interested in this at this point or like you would still be going after this or make it this far and maybe that is exactly why no one could come up with something without lying maybe it's not just jess but everyone really doesn't see this for winston and that is so sad because we've seen winston be so aimless and unfulfilled with his jobs and it really feels like this is the thing that is going to make him feel better but his friends aren't really there for him that's a great way to put it is a gut punch because it was with them really not believing in him as you said but then i would point out that this is a lesson in why do you give someone a heads up about something before something is going to occur? So while, okay, he alluded to this being a surprise background check. And I mean, I guess to your point earlier too, it's like a surprise that everyone happened to be home on this Saturday where like this surprise was going to happen. But if Winston had at least told them, and and, and this could have happened, I mean, it wouldn't have led to all the comedy, but this could have happened even off episode. But if he had told everyone that there would be a background check, they could have at least had that conversation like they did in the bathroom under like force essentially, but they could have had that ahead of time where Jess could have been like, Oh, is that like the last step? Is this what we still need to like become an actual cop? Oh, you're still like going through the police Academy. Like that's not just going to end. Like you really want this. And like, then it could have been a lot more genuine conversation with his friends rather than them clearly not talking to each other or having deeper conversations. Then you have a moment like you do in the bathroom where she's hiding meth and he's really realizing that they don't believe in him. So he was going to go sacrifice himself to take the rap for it and just be like, okay, fine. If you don't think I'm good at this, I'll just not do it. And I'll just quit everything in my life, which is legit. So depressing. That is such a depressing approach to what happened. But it totally makes sense in that gut punch realm to be in that state of like, well, my friends don't think I'm going to amount to anything. So what does it matter? But finally, Jess sobers up and she runs out. And I say sobers up, not from drugs, sobers up as in realizes what needs to happen. And she comes out and says it's hers. She gets down on the floor with her hands behind her and confuses the carpet with drugs again. And it's like, no, it's not that. So Everyone gets lined up and they're not allowed to do anything but think about not moving and not move while the captain goes to figure out what the drugs are. And of course, it's not meth. We've been saying this this whole time. It is not meth. They were aquarium rocks, which is amazing because Jess is like, oh, is that the street name for them? And she's like, no, they're literal aquarium rocks. Like, what are you doing? How has nobody in this loft figured this out? It's exactly what you would have expected. 
but it was hilarious to watch it play out. And then in the middle of this, like while she's investigating to see them going down and having this conversation in these little pairs that they have, it's like Winston and Jess, Jess and Nick, Nick and Schmidt, Schmidt and Cece. Like it was very sweet. It felt like really genuine loft dynamics minus coach, of course. Yeah. I don't know how they didn't realize that this wasn't meth at any point. Like legit, I thought this could have looked like rock salt. Like if it was rock salt, then at least it would have been more of like a biodegradable type substance versus like the weight of a literal rock. That was bonkers. So thank goodness for the cop to come out and point that out. But then also really give Winston his hope back because he's like, yeah, you're in. Like this was just the last check because you're one of our best candidates. You're someone who is standing out and the force is going to be lucky to have you, but obviously not in narcotics, right? Like he wouldn't, but he wasn't even involved in it. Maybe he could still be a narcotics cop. You never know because he wasn't really part of the situation and didn't get a big, good look at the map. Just saw Jess holding lots of random things. So I really love that. That's how the episode ended though, with the cop really emphasizing to everyone, Winston is good at this and Winston should be doing it. And he's one of the best. So Everyone else should go like chill and not be making up all these judgments about Winston and his ability to be a cop. I do think his narcotics work may still be a bit questionable. He did see the meth and he didn't ask where Jess would have gotten such a large quantity of meth to be able to say. Also, like if he found it at a yard sale with an ottoman and it was actually meth, why wouldn't people come looking for it? You would think that that would be stored there for a reason. but. All of that aside, yes, I am also very glad that it was very genuine. She even tells them that Winston should consider moving because these people are crazy. I loved seeing that because I think normally Winston is seen as one of the loonier people in the loft. And so it was nice to see him recognized. But of course, the episode could not end without Coach coming back, having found Taquan, who, like you mentioned, his real name is Jose. A made up Taquan. (laughs) He is, it's so amazing to watch him come back in and he can't even say Winston. He says Mr. Wimstoms. And he goes, I go from no hope to hope because of Mr. Wimstoms. I love you. And then all of his wording was really suggestive. It wasn't like big brother, little brother. It was like, hey, are we kind of dating? Like, coach did not brief this guy enough in this car ride, but it's okay. Because he got a new friend and they bond over their shared pretzels at outlet malls in their plan. I love that they sandwiched the episode that way where they started it with coach's plan to go to an outlet mall. And like, here's what all includes meets a new friend who's like, I'm the same way. I like this. Although right at the very end, the very last line, Daquan was like, so should we tickle? I was like, coach is in for a treat. <laughs> I don't know what the, who, who Jose is and why he just picked him up off the street to come to this loft and like, is he paying him? I don't know what the situation is, but I did love that they bookended it with the outlet mall conversation. But that really wraps up our review of the episode. And now we're going to get into our most likely two section where Kritika and I say two things that happened in the episode and who of us would be more likely to do that thing. So Kritika, which one of us do you think is most likely to Create a shopping plan for an outlet mall like Coach and Daquan. <laughs> I have this question too, and I think it would be you. I think that you would very optimally figure out how to make it all work, 
maximize your shopping and enjoyment. And I, sh- I think it would be you. I agree. I do think it would be me. I think it would be me, but I do have shopping trips where I'll just go and have fun and like, don't worry about what I need to hit. But like, if I came and I was like, I need to go through the outlet mall the right way, I'd make a plan and I'd follow it. And I would end it with a pretzel. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh man. I definitely would end it with a pretzel. Maybe not end it. Actually. I would get a pretzel. Auntie Anne's pretzels are my thing at the mall. So I would definitely do that, but I don't think I would have had a plan. But Kelly, who do you think of the two of us is more likely to, in that same vein then, bond over pretzels or some sort of food item like that? I mean, all humans everywhere? Duh. No, I'm joking. I mean, both of us? (laughs) I would say both of us. I feel like we have bonded over like the little bunt cakes together. We've bonded over food. True. Yeah, I would say both of us too. I was kind of struggling on this episode to come up with some good most likely twos that weren't just like which one of us would mistakenly look at meth but (laughs) i think it would be both of us as well kritika which of us do you think is most likely to have a tell when you lie so like our favorite sweatback nicholas miller Ooh, that's a good one i think it would be both of us, but probably a little bit more noticeable would be you. I feel like I would also have a tell, but I think I can maybe hide it a little better. But I also think it's mostly when you're like trying to keep a secret versus like flat out lying like Nick is doing. But what do you think? That's true, I guess. Yeah, maybe trying to keep a secret. But I think I was leaning towards me a little bit. It could be both of us, but I was leaning towards me because I'm someone with such a readable face that... right. I get called out for how readable my face is. Like I get told don't ever play poker basically because I give it all away. So I was kind of thinking it could be me. I don't have a sweaty back the way that Nick Miller does, but my face is definitely easily red. So I think it's me. Totally. I agree. And for my last one, Kelly, kind of on a similar line, I feel like you and I had very similar most likely to this episode, but which one of us do you think would be more likely to lie for a friend and really just get full on in the shenanigan, like all of the loft did for dress? I do not think it would be me. I think it would be you. I don't, I feel like, I don't know, maybe just part of me getting older. I feel like I'm just not down anymore to just do random things. Maybe I should be. I was taken over by the pandemic and not enough social interactions, (laughs) but I feel like you in a heartbeat, honestly, maybe you would think through it a little bit more than the people did in this episode. But I think you would be like, oh my God, like a friend called me and telling me they have a bag of meth they need to get rid of. I'm there. Like, I think you would easily live up to that. Like, oh, I'm the best friend sitting in the jail cell beside my friend versus like, helping them get out of jail type of thing. Yeah, I would also say me. I don't know if I would be as good of a friend as Cece is here, but maybe like Schmidt and Coach, like just jumping in on it, hiding someone who has meth in their bra with a bowl of grapes or like really diving into other things. I think I would be the person to do that. It's always so fun to go through these most likely twos with you, Kelly. But now we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Schmidtism. And we're back. For our Schmidtism this episode, 
we could not get over the moment where Winston is talking about how the sergeant, not the captain, as I was saying earlier, but the sergeant, Testerado, was coming and how she's called the fish. So that's the scene we're going to do now. Winston will be played by Kelly. And as always, I will be your Schmidt. It's a home visit, Jess. And not just from any cop. It's from Sergeant Testerado. The fish. I'm pretty sure they call her the fish because she's tough but fair, just like most fish I've interacted with. Winston, Dorado is a fish. It's a subset of Mahi Mahi, and it pairs very nicely with citrus, you oaf. I'm not an oaf. You're an oaf, stupid. So, you're dumb. Shut up. Also, put on some underpants, please. It's like a bounce house down there. And scene. This wasn't a very long one, but it was a very fun one. And it was so (laughs) hilarious, honestly, to me. It is a Schmidtism because of how he pronounced Mahi Mahi, let's be real. But it's almost a funny Winston moment for having him say, just like most fish I've interacted with. Not that he's eaten, because I'm like, okay, you could call a fish tough but fair. You know, maybe that's like a, a critique on how a fish is tasting but not what you interact with. Like, what fish have you interacted with? Maybe the one fish from the ocean a couple seasons ago when you went with Schmidt at the aquarium that he took Schmidt to? Like, what fish are you interacting with? I thought that was too hilarious. Or maybe he's talking about the dead fish that Nick caught from Thanksgiving last season where Jess ate it and got Giardia and river mouth disease. So you never know. So tough, but fair. Okay. Maybe it's accurate. (laughs) That gets us to the in the 2020 segment that we have where we focus on items from this episode that maybe wouldn't fly in this decade for our not in the 2020 section. And we had a few that were a little awkward and a little cringy. Uh, Honestly, the one with Schmidt at the beginning where he talks about how he wants Paul to go down a water slide between two obese people and that he would die between the obese people before he would drown in the water. Not only is that a little dark, but it's a little ridiculous to have someone die because of obese people. Like, that's not kind. We also thought it was a little odd and whatnot when Jess is throwing the meth around and she said she throws like a boy, like that's supposed to like get her out of throwing weird, but also, you know, like, why is she trying to defend her throwing and saying it looks like a boy? It just felt weird. But then also just from a friend perspective, when Jess was sharing that Winston wouldn't really be a good fit and that they really weren't focusing on him in this episode or like thinking he could really do it. That's just not a good friend moment. We have some of these 2020 moments where we call it usually like a good friend moment in the yes, but this was like a bad friend moment for the nose. Yeah, I completely agree. And It would be one thing with the throw like a boy going back to that one. It's like a play on the throw like a girl, but it's still perpetuating that stereotype. And so really all of these things didn't sit well with us. And also Coach, while incredibly humorous, trying to get the little boys in his car, not in the 2020s. But what was a yes in the 2020s is Winston when he was talking to Jess. Honestly, Winston this whole episode, let's be real. But when he was talking to Jess about her cycle and roller coaster and really just following her cue, obviously him knowing so much about it made her a little uncomfortable. But when she wanted space and wanted Cece to come in, he just went and got her. And it really made us think back to Menzies when he thought he had synced with her because he was just going through a bad breakup. It may be weird, but I do genuinely love when they 
have period content in the show because they always approach it so well. That kind of takes us to our pop culture segment this episode. We always focus on at least one pop culture reference from the episode, and you can always see what the others were from the episode on our website, smallscreenchatter.com. But we probably pretty obviously are going to focus on the song Landslide this episode, because that is what Nick Miller sings to himself while closing his ears and closing his eyes and trying not to know what's happening with this bag of meth. The song Landslide was written by Stevie Nicks and performed by Fleetwood Mac and was on the 1975 album Fleetwood Mac. The song itself is one of the band's most enduring and popular tracks covered by numerous artists over the years. And it was written when Stevie Nicks was only 27 and during a really pivotal time in her life. The song focuses on uncertainties and challenges she faced as a young musician, as well as her changing relationship with her guitarist from the band. And the lyrics also convey a sense of introspection and vulnerability and capture that personal journey's essence. It's known for its distinctive acoustic sound because of Stevie Nicks's emotive vocals and Lindsey Buckingham's guitar and the lyrics, like we mentioned, covering so much, so poignant, And the heartfelt delivery of the song really resonated with audiences for decades. And I said that it's been covered by numerous artists over the years. And some of those include the Dixie Chicks, the Smashing Pumpkins, the cast of the TV show Glee. And it's been in so many movies, TV shows, commercials like The West Wing, films like Jack Frost and The Virgin Suicides, that it really has a place as a timeless and universally appreciated piece of music. And it was even inducted in 2003 into the Grammy Hall of Fame to really recognize its historical and cultural significance. And then just to give a little bit more background on Fleetwood Mac, the band, it formed in 1967 and was known for their chemistry between all of their band members. Stevie Nicks is the one who sings the song Landslide, as Kritika mentioned, and she led most of the vocals for the band songs, but then much of the intricate guitar work was done by Lindsey Buckingham. Fleetwood Mac was formed by the guitarist Peter Green, drummer Mick Fleetwood, and bassist John McVie. And over the years, many different musicians have joined and left the band. And notable members, aside from the founders, include Christine McVie, who played keyboards and sang vocals, Danny Kerwan, Bob Welch, and Jeremy Spencer. As I mentioned, their chemistry and band dynamics were often marked by personal relationships and romantic entanglements of its members. Lindsay Buckingham and C.V. Nicks were a big couple and They were on and off again for a while and had a big romantic breakup. And then John and Christine McVie, as you could probably tell, were married, but then they had a divorce as well, which that divorce provided much of the inspiration for the material on the band's album Rumors, which is one of the best-selling albums of all time, having sold over 40 million copies worldwide and won the Grammy Award for Album of the Year in 1978. And I had mentioned earlier that the song Landslide was inducted to the Grammy Hall of Fame. But what was also interesting was that Fleetwood Mac, the band, was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998, even before the song made the Grammy Hall of Fame. 
Our guest stars this episode, there wasn't really too many. We didn't have any that we've previously talked about because there were only two, one of which we are not talking about, which is Marquez Ray, who played Duquan slash Jose. But we are going to be talking about Cleo King, who played Sergeant Tess Dorado. Critique and I know Cleo from television shows like Grey's Anatomy, Hoops, and A Series of Unfortunate Events. And she's also known for acting in television shows like Minx, although only for one episode, Mike and Molly, and movies like Pineapple Express, Magnolia, Bubble Boy, The Hangover, and Ride the Eagle. I do want to make a note, too, that Hoops, Minx, and Ride the Eagle were all shows, in addition to New Girl, that Cleo acted in alongside Jake Johnson, who plays Nick Miller. And two of those, Hoops and Ride the Eagle, were at least co-written by Jake Johnson as well. Cleo made her Broadway debut in the comedy Chicken and Biscuits by Douglas Lyons, which was directed by Zaylon Levingston. The show is centered on a Black family, and the setting inside a church is important for Cleo. These characters reminded her of her own childhood, and it was a way in which on Broadway she could finally see herself seen and represented. She's also an NAACP Image Award winner for her work in the one-woman show Turning Points. And she's a big philanthropist with special interest in the needs of children. She's actively involved with associations such as Raise a Child, which helps families adopt children. And she's one of their national spokespersons. And she's also a proud national spokesperson for Penny Lane as well. Something we found that was interesting about some of the work that she's done is that on Mike and Molly, she plays the character of Grandma to Reno Wilson's character, Officer Carl McMillan. But Reno Wilson was actually only seven and a half years younger than Cleo, but was playing Cleo's grandchild in the show. So that is potentially the smallest age difference between actors playing grandparent grandchild in a regular series TV history. And Cleo has played the cop in this show, but also in two different movies that have very similar premises from Dude, Where's My Car and The Hangover, where both of these movies have someone who is attempting to find something important the morning after they got drunk and lost things in their misadventures, if you will, the night before. That is wild, genuinely, that they're only seven years apart and playing grandmother and grandchild, which I feel like leads us directly into our trivia and fun facts section where we talk about other fun facts like that that happen in our episode. And so first we did want to call out, we called out last episode that that was the last of the original theme song. But then just to make a note, this is the first of the new theme transition segment, honestly, because it uses the tune of the theme song that was written by Zoe Deschanel, but it doesn't actually say any of the words and have them acting or anything. It's just pictures. We also wanted to make a note that in this episode, Nick's character comments that he can't lie, which is why he can't play poker or talk to pregnant women. And in real life, Jake Johnson has opened up in the past and used to be a avid gambler. So felt like that was kind of a interesting comment given Jake Johnson's life. Another thing that we'll link in the show notes and on our website for you is this BuzzFeed article we found about how this is the best episode of New Girl with 33 moments of ways that this has been proven. We just thought it was great. If you haven't watched the episode recently, but you are listening to this podcast, it's a great refresher on how amazing this episode really was. 
But that really brings us to our bear, and we didn't find the bear yet again. I don't think we're the best bear hunters here, but when we looked online, we found two things that are maybe credible. At around 10 minutes and 23 seconds, there is supposedly a bear poster in Nick's room. I went back, not super sold on this one, but the other one that we found online is that there is a bear on the LAPD crest, and that one seems a little bit more plausible to me. Well, and there's probably a bear on the LAPD crest because it's for California, in theory, maybe. Yeah. But I know, I feel like this bear poster in Nick's room has been referenced a few times. And every single time I'm like, it's not there. It's not a bear. It's what is this? This can't keep (laughs) being the reference. Oh man. But yeah, we aren't really the best bear hunters. (laughs) We need to improve our skill. That said, uh, for the rating of this episode, IMDb gave it an 8.7. And it's the fifth top episode on IMDb overall for New Girl. And it's rated as a top episode on IMDb, which I definitely don't blame them. However, the audience viewership when it first aired was only 3.38 million viewers in the U.S., but it was the highest of season four so far. I gave this episode a nine because I just enjoyed it. It was fun. It was crazy, but it was chaotic and fun seeing everything pan out, having all the movement between the scenes and the cast and having everyone all together. I mean, save for coach, but he comes back into it. Like it just really was a good ensemble episode where everyone was involved. I also gave it a nine out of 10. I felt like it was so perfect within itself. And I didn't realize it when I watched it, but when I was looking up this episode, I saw a lot of references to this being a bottle episode. And we've done a few of those in New Girl. Big News, Mars Landing kind of was a bottle episode, or at least part of it. And I really think that they nailed it on this one. I felt like everybody was being utilized, which is why it was really hard to find a favorite character. There were a few people I was going between, and I ultimately decided on Nick. I felt like how he stood out as sweatback, but was able to be there for Winston, for Jess, really stood out to me. Also, he had amazing humorous lines. So he was my favorite character this episode. I also chose Nick for many of the same reasons. And I really just feel that the way that Jake Johnson portrayed Nick this episode was just like quintessential Nick Miller. Like we got some callbacks to Sweatback and just some other, like the kimono, honestly, even though that was Schmidt's thing originally, like having Nick wear the kimono was really fun. And like just having him sing landslide and just do silly things and try to get out of the situation, tell us about his childhood again. Every component of what Nick's character was doing this episode was just like completely driving so much of the comedy and being who we know Nick Miller to be. And that really wraps up everything but our spoilers. So we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. And if you enjoyed it or found it interesting, please give us a five-star rating or leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this today. And if you are listening on Spotify, check it out for a poll because we do a favorite character of the episode poll every time. We also obviously appreciate any of your feedback. So please shoot us an email at who's that girl pod at gmail.com or we're on social media at Instagram, Twitter, or now X and TikTok at who's that girl pod. So now if you don't want to hear about any future storylines, you have five seconds to pause. And if you do, we'll chat again next time for episode seven.
game couples. We're back. Jess and Nick. We always start with them, but unfortunately, I only gave them a one. I felt like there was a lot there, but Jess was really in her own place. Nick wasn't doing his own thing. I didn't really feel the couple moments from them in this episode. I gave them a two, so I wasn't trying to be pie in the sky, but I gave them a two because of the last scene where they're all standing up against the wall and she's looking over to Nick and says, if I go to jail and you come see me, write to me, think of me, sing or whatever, like just so much like saying it to her friend who they're genuinely still connected at a deeper level, in my opinion. So that's why I was like, I'm going to give them a two. But then, of course, she's like, but then don't come wearing that kimono, like making jokes with him, too. So I thought that was cute. But (laughs) I'm good giving us a 1.5. That's fine. I feel like we were still pretty aligned there. For Schmidt and Cece, though, hmm, this was a steamy episode as far as we've seen for them for a while now. I gave them a 5 out of 10 because... I didn't want to get too excited and I know they kissed and I know he was shirtless and I know they teased each other, but I feel like it's not quite there yet. Like it's not ready yet. And I feel like this was just opening the door for this to be a possibility and we need to let it build. So I gave them a five, but I'm open if you gave them much higher of a rating or interested to see (laughs) where you landed. I wasn't too far off. I gave them a six because I felt like you said all of the things that really brought them closer and really just the way they were looking at each other. And I could tell there's something building. And I feel like in the future episodes, I don't remember exactly what happens, but I know this is the season they get back together at the end of it. And so I just feel like we're going to only increase and go there. So I'm very happy with the 5.5 gives us room to go up as the rest of the season progresses. But then with the douchebag tracker, and a reminder, a 10 is a total douchebag, 0 out of 10 is genuine guy. I was really split on this one, and I'm very interested to hear your thoughts, because there were moments like him taking a shirt off while cleaning and all of that that made me tip higher in the douchebag scale. But then it wasn't really that bad. So I kind of gave him a 5, but I'm really interested to see where you rated Schmidt, because I was a little lost on this one. I went with a four, but I mean, five feels appropriate as well, because I was also kind of mixed. I feel like some of the things where, if you think about the episode of like the story of the 50, where they went through the sequence of like why he had to put money in the douchebag jar was like sometimes just even his outfit and like random things. So it's not always things that are bad. So to me, even like the Mahi Mahi is like, douchey right like right. I feel like the loft would have felt that was douchey or like him talking about Paul dying between obese people like to me that's right. douchey you know so that's where I kind of was like I don't even know like four like four because that wasn't like you said I guess it wasn't bad douchiness it wasn't like oh my gosh you're like feel so overwhelming with how douchey you are so yeah I guess let's stick with five together because it was kind of middle of the road. There were small little things, but still kind of on that douchebag scale for the way the loft has rated it. Perfect. Love that. And our final tracker is for Winston, which is our bird shirt tracker. And if you were listening to the first half of our podcast, you would have caught this is episode two that he's gotten a bird shirt in. So, so far we are two out of six episodes with Winston wearing a bird shirt. I cannot wait to see more because they're always so fun. But that gets us to the end of our podcast. We really want to say thank you for listening to this episode of Who's That Girl? 
And as Kritika shared, we want to hear your feedback, both with our polls on Instagram and replies on X, also known as Twitter, but Spotify, you can react to our poll and you can watch our videos on TikTok now as well. So we really want to engage with you. Feel free to connect with us and we will see you next time for the next episode. Bye. Thanks.